Our gospel lesson this morning is one of the parables of Jesus from the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Rabbi, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But Jesus said to the man, friend, who set me as a judge above you? And Jesus said to them, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus told a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And the man thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to the man, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, first Sunday in Lent, right? I love my Catholic friends because they take Lent more seriously than we Protestants do. My wife plays paddle tennis with this wonderful woman, and one of the reasons she's so wonderful is that her character has been splendidly shaped by her serious, pious Catholic faith. So the other day, she showed up at the paddle courts with ashes on her foreheads on Ash Wednesday, of course, and when Kathy remarked about this, she responded, oh yeah, Ash Wednesday has been my favorite day of the year ever since I was a student at the University of Iowa. And when Kathy asked her why Ash Wednesday was so special at the University of Iowa, she said, because that was the only day of the year we could tell which of the cute boys were Catholic. <laughs> Whatever. So here is another famous Catholic that you may never have heard of. His name is Cardinal Francis Xavier Wen Van Twan. But you will hear of him someday because one day he will be a saint in the Roman Catholic Church. He is undergoing right now the process of beatification. He died in 2002 at the age of 74. Cardinal Van Twan became Archbishop of Saigon on April 24, 1975. Bad timing. Six days later, the city fell to the communists, who are, of course, arch enemies of the Roman Catholic Church, sometimes for very good reasons. Over the decades, the Roman Catholic Church cuddled up with every evil strongman in Southeast Asia. So Cardinal Von Tuan, the future Cardinal Von Tuan, spent 13 years in a Vietnamese re-education camp, nine of them in solitary confinement. The guards in his re-education camp were very far fond of the future cardinal. They snuck in some scraps of wood and some wire so that he could fashion a crude crucifix, and they snuck in a few drops of wine so that he could celebrate the sacrament all by himself. The future cardinal converted so many of the guards to Christianity that the warden began rotating them out in a quick rotation so that the cardinal wouldn't have time to convince his communist guards that Jesus was better than Mao. When someone asked him how he managed to convince so many communists that Jesus was a good thing, 
he responded that he talked to the guards about the defects of Jesus. Not Jesus' virtues, but Jesus' defects. For instance, he had a terrible memory, he was bad at math, he took unnecessary risks, and he had no common sense. That story I read a moment ago, right? Jesus tells the story of a first century tycoon who had a very, very good year. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, Jesus tells us in his prickly little story. To translate that into a more familiar idiom, this man rode the longest bull market in history until the Dow was almost 30,000 points and then got out just in time to buy gold bars. This guy's fields are so fecund, his barns are bursting and his silos overflowing with the gold of wheat, this beautiful golden wheat. What shall I do, he asks himself. I know what I'll do, he tells himself. I will pull down my barns and build bigger barns, which seems like the prudent thing to do, right? If you have a bumper crop in your wheat fields or in your stock portfolio, the best thing to do is to find a safe place for your surplus capital so it's available to you when you need it, like when your eldest child matriculates at a university that costs $70,000 a year or when both of your children get married in the same year. You can tell I'm taking this story personally, right? Now notice that with this little story, Jesus has just eviscerated many of your livelihoods. Have you ever stopped to think how many people in our congregation spend their days building bigger barns? If you are a banker, or an investment advisor, or a trader, or a venture capitalist, you spend your days building bigger barns. They're paper silos, but that's all they are. They're just places to store surplus capital. So that 100 shares of a FANG stock, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, 100 shares of Amazon stock is a paper silo. So it's a mutual fund or a 401k or a savings account. It's where we store our surplus capital, so it's there when we need it. The rich guy says, I will build bigger barns. And Jesus says, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. I have to be honest with you, fool is not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this guy. I love the people in our congregation who spend their days building bigger barns. Tom Lillard, Roger Winship, Rick Waddell, Lester Knight, Mark Fuller. Hamish Forrest, they all spend their days building bigger barns. They're paper barns, but they're barns. I love those guys. So you see what the cardinal means when he talks about Jesus' defects. I love these lists of twisted parables you come across every now and then. Twisted proverbs, twisted proverbs. The early worm, on the other hand, gets eaten. A word to the wise is superfluous. Familiarity breeds children. <laughs> Give a man enough rope and he'll hang you. People who live in stone houses shouldn't throw glasses. He who hesitates is bossed. And my favorite, counting your chickens before they're hatched, is sensible long-range planning. 
The guy in Jesus' little story is a sensible, long-range planner. Jesus scorns what the world values and values what the world scorns. Jesus values and wants many things. Love, peace, justice for the poor, the kingdom, God. But that's not what we want. And Jesus scorns so many things. Wealth, security, honor, fame. But those are precisely the things we want. And Jesus has a point, doesn't he? Despite this defect in his character, he has a point. It's all very well and good to plan for tomorrow, but all we have is today. So that when it's parents' day in your child's third grade classroom, don't send the nanny so you can close the deal at work. Don't go to the office on Saturday morning so that you can be on the field when your son hits a two-run double in the bottom of the ninth to win the game. If your daughter earns the role of Maria in West Side Story or in The Sound of Music, tell your boss you can't go to Brussels that weekend. We spend so much time building bigger barns for tomorrow that we miss today. And it's all well and good to build these bigger barns, but there comes a time when you need to slash a gash in the silos so that the golden wheat spills out for the benefit of the poor and the hungry. Warren Buffett has given the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation 35 billion years for 35 billion dollars over the last several years. And Bill and Melinda used this money to inoculate the world against diseases that were wiped out in the United States a hundred years ago. Warren has promised to give the rest of the money away on his last day on earth, $80 billion worth. He spent his whole life building bigger barns. But he knows that there comes a time when it's time to slash a gash in the silos to let the gold spill out. The market system has not worked out well for poor people, said Warren Buffett once. You know what Bill Gates' children used to call Warren Buffett when they were growing up? They called Warren Buffett the man who works at Dairy Queen. Warren Buffett owns Dairy Queen, of course, and somebody between the services told me that Dick Kiphart made this happen. Dick called Warren up to say, you need to buy Dairy Queen, so he did. So Bill Gates' children take one look at Warren tooling around Omaha and his beaten-up Taurus, and they think he's the guy who makes the Sundays at the local Whippy Dip store, the man who works at Dairy Queen. You could do worse. My puppy has brought a lot of joy into my life, but he has completely ruined my social life and my travel schedule. My wife and I have been out three evenings in the eight weeks since this creature entered my house. Fortunately, we live next door to these wonderful Minturn children from Kenilworth Union Church, also across the street from the Alls Houses, down the road from the Wigdales. And so when we want to go out for more than two hours in the evening, we walk next door and tap Tessa 
on the shoulder so she can come over to my house and let the dog out and play with him a little bit so that he won't die of loneliness, which is, he is sure he is going to do when we leave his sight for 15 minutes. Have you ever read uh, this novel called I Thought You Were Dead? I thought you were dead is what the dog Stella says to his master every day when his master comes home after eight hours, a long, long day. I thought you were dead. You were gone so long, I thought you were never coming back. I thought you were dead. That's what my puppy says to me over and over again. So this is a true story. A family had to go out of town for a week and couldn't take the dog along. What to do? Well, they knew their next-door neighbor, nine-year-old Jeremy. Their next-door neighbor loved, adored dogs, but didn't have a dog of his own. So they went next door and knocked on the door and had a discussion with Jeremy. They explained the whole arrangement to him. They said, you'll have to come over here and feed the dog and groom the dog and walk the dog. But most important of all, what this job demands is a lot of tender, loving care and a lot of playtime. So that's the deal, Jeremy. That's what the job entails. Let's negotiate. What would this job be worth to you? Jeremy thought about that for a minute. He went pensive. He was calculating, and finally he said, I'll give you 10 bucks. <laughs> Dumb kid. He's not building bigger barns. He's giving away the farm. He will never make it at William Blair. But he did know one thing, that if you have a chance to play with a dog or a child, you take it, even if it costs you 10 bucks. Planning for tomorrow was a very good thing, but all we have is today, so we live a balanced life. Yes?